This is Tennessee Talks with United States Congressman Tim Burchett. Hey everybody, I'm Congressman Tim Burchett and I want to welcome everybody back to another episode of Tennessee Talks. Today I'm joined by Maya McGinnis. Did I say that right? McGinnis? You said it. McGinnis. All right. All right. What's that? Where is that from? It's a little, it's a jumbled mutt of a Irish, Scottish, I'm not sure what's going on there. Right, it's cool. spelled like weird. Your answer. All right. And she's the president for Committee for a Responsible Federal Budget, which is I think sort of like military intelligence or <laughs> congressional ethics. I'm wondering if that even exists, but she's an expert on tax, budget, and economic policy. I know y'all are always probably tired of me railing on our economic condition in this country and um, just the crazy spending, but she went to Northwestern University for your undergrad and then got her master's of public policy from Harvard University. Couldn't get in UT, huh? Nope, I couldn't. All right, well, sorry about that. Maybe I'll go and get another degree right. there. Maybe. Like to. She's testified before Congress numerous times, and you've frequently been published by the Washington Post, Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, and many other big news outlets. Maya, it's okay if I call you Maya? Please. All right, cool. It's good to have you here, and thanks for coming on the show with us. Um, we always have, we got a diverse group of folks on this thing, and then you and this is another one. This will be a good one, so I'm looking forward to this. Can you briefly explain to me how the budget process works in Congress? I can briefly explain to you how the budget process doesn't work in Congress. Or how that, it should work? Yeah. I mean, it's actually a good day to ask that because it's April 17th. The day that the congressional budget is required to be done is April 15th. That would have been today. We have not heard a peep about what's going on with the congressional budget process. So there's there's a lineup of what's supposed to happen. The president is supposed to deliver his budget. Then Congress, the budget committees, House and Senate come up with their budgets. They're voted out of the bodies. Then they're reconciled. They work out the differences. That budget sets the top line numbers for the rest of the year. And it's the chance to look over our priorities. What do we want to spend money on? Is it worth it? And how are we going to pay for it? But these continuing resolutions that we always yeah. seem to keep passing, which I don't vote for, um, they just keep, we just kick the can. And, and, and nobody back home even seems to. Nobody even knows. That. I mean, yeah. I don't think most people know that we haven't had a budget that was done on time in 20 years. Yeah. And that most years we don't have a budget in place. Um, now, most of my friends don't know this because they're so tired of listening to me talk about it. But really, if you stop for a second and think about the fact that we run the single biggest economic entity in the world without a budget, no business person would do that anywhere. They wouldn't no. be they wouldn't be able to get away with it. So it's a huge problem. It's been the breakdown of the process. And then because we don't have a budget, we haven't thought about our priorities, we don't get the spending bills passed to time, you all pass, I guess you said you vote against, but there's continuing resolutions or omnibuses where nobody actually knows what's in these bills. So we don't do the hard work. I mean, to govern is to choose. It's to decide what your priorities are. We don't do the hard work of looking at what programs are in place. Are they working? Do the, are the goals even still relevant? Do we have new priorities? If we're going to pass the spending, how are we going to pay for it? Because just borrowing and leaving it to our kids, which is what we do more often than not, is truly kind of the opposite of the American dream, leave the economy that's stronger to the next generation than the one you inherited. And basically, there are no parts of the budget process that are getting done the way they're supposed to. And it means we skip over the single most, I think, fundamental role of, of you all, which is decide if you're going to tax Americans, what are you using their money for? Is it worth it? Is it working? And should we continue to do it or should we make changes? Yeah, I was on the budget committee and that was, mm. I asked to be on it actually, and mm -hmm. everybody said, why? 
Uh, you know, because I was in the state legislature in Tennessee, we, we have a, we're a balanced budget state, which is kind of foreign up here, and I always mm -hmm. talk about that, you know, and we didn't, if we didn't have it, we didn't spend it, just because we had it didn't mean we were going to spend it, and, you know, AAA bond rating and things like that, and, you know, as mayor of Knox County, we paid down debt, mm. it's just unheard mm -hmm. of, and, um, and, and you get up here and people just, you know, what, what's the use, but, um, uh, and there's there, there's a lot of reasons for it. I just economic um, our economic condition. I think it just continuously gets worse every year, and we just we just refuse to address it. And well, it's and our, our fiscal position gets worse every year, which is you know, and that leads to our declining economic position here and our role in the world. But if yeah. you look at our fiscal position right now, within the next few years, we will have the highest debt to GDP we've ever had in the history of this country. And the last time we had that was right after World War II. We had just fought a war, and then they brought the balance, the budget down and balanced it in just a few years. Right. This time we will have the highest, the highest debt to GDP the history of the country, no war, and it will only continue to grow over the next decade. And we have so many structural imbalances, there is no plan right now in place to get the debt under control. Within five years, we'll be spending more on interest payments than we are on national defense. That is a very dangerous place for a wow. nation to be. Five years? In five years. All right. Well, what's going on with the... Unless, unless we make some changes. Yeah, we might. Oh, <laughs> yes, ma'am. Um, what do you think is going on with our debt ceiling right now? Do you feel like we're, uh, you know, I've, 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 I've argued continuously, I didn't vote for it. Um, under Trump, and I'm, mm -hmm. you know, I, I just, it, it just drives me crazy. Mm -hmm. so what is your thoughts on the debt ceiling? Okay, I've got a lot of thoughts on the debt ceiling. Please. Um, first off, I'm, I, the ones, the increases we had under President Trump were actually some of the worst increases we've had. And the reason is not only did we increase the debt ceiling without pausing, saying, where are we fiscally? Okay, we're in bad shape. What should we do to make it better? Actually, legislation was attached to those debt ceilings that borrowed even more. And that was three times in a row. Right. So that to me is the worst thing you can do. What we're talking about right now is we do have a debt ceiling increase. We do have to lift the debt ceiling. And the reason is we already put the borrowing in place. When the legislation was put in place or the structural imbalances that already exist were there, we're going to borrow that money. The real principled thing I think that people should promise to do is I it's not that I'm not going to lift the debt ceiling. It's that I promise not to pass any legislation that is going to borrow more. So I am not going to pass additional debt. That to me is what really we should be getting a pledge from members to do. You know, we are in a strong economy, high inflation. The best thing we could do fiscally is bring our debt down. So I think members should promise not to pass any bills that increase the debt. But here's where we are. We're in a place where we have to lift the debt ceiling because if you don't, it's going to harm our own economy and it's, it's not going to stop <coughs> the borrowing in the future. It's only not going to pay for the bills of the past. However, the proposition that people put on the table, which is when we do that, we should put in place national savings? Absolutely. Absolutely we should. It doesn't mean you're holding the debt ceiling hostage. We have to lift it. But we need to get a credible package of real savings. It's important that we look at all areas of the budget. There are a lot of promises about what people won't to look at. I think we should put all parts of the budget on the table and scour it and see where the savings are that we could get. In order to balance the budget, you would have to save $16 trillion over 10 years, and everything in budget world is 10 years. Let me tell you, we're not going to do that. That's mm -hmm. not going to get done. And so I don't think it's helpful to pretend that we're going to have unreasonable goals. But we should be able to save a few trillion dollars this year 
And then I think we should do it every year going forward. So if we could get a package of savings that saved two, three, four trillion dollars, that would be a great first step. We haven't seen that much savings in well over a decade. In two decades, honestly. Right. And so, and then if we agreed that we were going to do that each year, we would stair step our way back into a fiscal health. And I think it's been so long that we worked together, Congress has worked together to put a savings package. Um, that was bipartisan, and it should yeah. be, because everybody, everybody contributed to getting to this problem. We're going to, this pointing finger stuff is useless in my mind. This is about one country, how we're strong as we can be. Let's yes, figure out a solution and let's put trillions of dollars on saving and lift the debt ceiling without drama and make sure that we're going to keep generating those packages of savings. Actually, um, and I've heard Kevin McCarthy say some very similar things, especially this weekend. As a matter of fact, we had a, we were in, on a, had a call and, and hmm. notes were some of the things that he, um, he mentioned. But and some of the members, and I'm one of them, have a lot of concern about cuts. In specific cuts. I've, I've, um, everybody always says Medicaid, Medicare, you're not going to touch them, what are you going to do? Or they try to get you in on that. And I always turn to say, look, what we need to look at, I think first is the Pentagon. I've, I've, you know, when, they, when they're audited and they, they've lost over a billion dollars that they don't know where it is. Yeah, the audits don't work. They can't find where all the money's been They can't spent. find where yeah. all the money is. Exactly. Yeah. you got to be able to be audited. we got to track these yes, dollars. Yes, ma'am. And, and so I'm wondering, uh, and that, that's the place I would look, and, and it surprises a lot of people, but it's just a, it's a boondoggle. I mean, you know, when we're, we're leaving billions of dollars on the ground in Afghanistan and and we're in conflicts all over, and we don't really know what's going on, or somebody does, but but we uh, Congress doesn't. We're supposed to be the one managing the checkbook. I'm wondering what what kind of cuts would you make if you could make cuts? Well, this is a really interesting one because first, I think you should leave it up to the national security experts more than the budget budget experts. But nonetheless, okay. I've been doing this for a long time, and I've been studying it because clearly, an area of the budget with this much spending has plenty of places for cuts. And so, a lot of our weapon systems are outdated. A lot of our defense programs are actually jobs programs. And you don't want to say, you know, uh, those jobs are important, but we do need an economy where we're actually putting the resources where they need to be and the jobs are working with that. So I would get, a, get rid of things that are there for regional job purposes and weapon systems of the past. And there's actually big entitlements in the Defense Department that encourage people to retire early, even if they haven't been in combat. And listen, we have to take care of our veterans. There should not be a single question on that. But there are a lot of big benefits that go to people who didn't spend any time overseas even. And so thinking about how you look at those benefits so they're more comparable to the private sector. Here's where I worry. I also think we have a lot of new security risks. And I think they're this century's. I think we have a defense department for last century. I think if you look at this century, cyber risks are right. real. I disinformation risks are terrifying and I don't know that we know how to build the defense against them but we do need to do what what has to be done we're to secure AI, against them the, the, where well, that's going and we don't don't up me I get to ask you a question at the okay. end of this podcast right. so okay. I okay yeah, I mean, you that do. one's kind of blowing my mind yes, and I really we need to think through it so so I think mostly I mean I there are savings to be had in national security but there's also a big shift that we need to need to make from outdated resources, resource allocation into a modern uh, defense posture. Well, how do you think um, we can get Democrats and Republicans at the table together? Mm -hmm. How do you think that's got to happen? Well, I'm a political independent. I spend a lot of time working with members of both parties because, honest to God, um, I, I, this, I'm reach, I don't know why I'm reaching my peak level of frustration with this, but 
we can't be two teams, we have to be one country. You know, I, I've said this many times, and, um, but it's the truth. You know, I've been on the elevator. I always tell people I'm conservative. I'm just not angry about it. I yeah. It's across the aisle. It's, That's a nice a good, way to put we, it. Well, thank you. But, um, you know, I've been on the elevator, and somebody will get on and see somebody in the other party they don't like and disgust and get off. And either, you know, it's happened in oh both parties. And I'm just like... I was like, what are y'all, 12? We're not. We we're got, not in middle school. We got a dadgum country to run, you know, and we're going to lose everything. And, um, and our fiscal ship is not in shape. And that is where we should, we should have a rallying cry around that. But we just can't seem to, to get there for some reason. But, I mean, and you're just, you're putting your finger right on it, which is that really is we are acting like we are enemies in this country. Yes, and because people are in two teams, I, I don't care if somebody has an R or a D. I'm really curious about the issues. I think we have a lot of shared objectives of things we want to do and we may have differences about how to achieve them, but that's what we have, that's what we compromise on, that's what we work through, that's what we try to problem solve. You think it's possible? You know, I'm getting, I'm getting more concerned as time is elapsing. Um, I think there are a few things we're going to have to return to and it's just uh, basic respect and empathy and connections and I think we need to spend more time together. Um, and I host as many bipartisan briefings and dinners and things as possible because we're just people. And, you know, when you get to know someone, I see people who disagree with me on fiscal policy all the time. But if I meet them on the soccer sidelines, if we have kids in the same place, that human connection makes yeah. us work very differently. And, I mean, I don't think you guys have to go out and, like, do camp outs and stuff, but you need something because we need to build some working relationships because this stuff is hard. But the second thing is we need voters to understand that what we're asking you to do on the fiscal, on fixing the fiscal situation, it's not easy. We borrowed trillions of dollars too much and now we have to figure out how to bring those costs down. And that is really hard work on spending and on revenue. Everything that you do to fix the fiscal situation is what politicians don't want to do. But we have to do it because if we don't, our economy's weaker, our budget weaker, well, and our national security's weaker. somebody than it is to get down to work. I mean, it's you can blame somebody across the aisle yeah. all day long, but if you're not willing to, to work a little bit. I, was, um, I always use the example of, um, raised the speed limit in Tennessee, and Steve Cohen, who's in the, we're in the House together, uh, but I was in the State House and he was in the State Senate, and I, we raised the speed limit. Um, he was my Senate sponsor and I was the House sponsor. And, you know, I mean, he called my mama when my, uh, when my daddy died, so, and people, uh, I say, you know, I, yeah. fixed, and I fixed his Cadillac one day, um, and, and, and I, um, you know, I always tell people, you know, you can't get past that. I can't get past the yes. fact that, he, that, you know, that, that friendship and that he reached you out to my mama. You do something decent for somebody, yeah. and it changes everything. And, you know, as far he's, I used to joke around this, in the legislature, he was as far to the left as I was to the right, and we would we'd go out and eat, and um, and it just it kind of the odd couple in the legislature. And we're it. still And we we're still that. good friends. We need that. And also, I just think, like, I'm sure you and I disagree on something, doesn't mean you're a bad person or I'm a bad person. We have to back away from this beautiful diversity of opinions. The fact that we have different preferences for how the government should look and what it should yeah. do doesn't mean someone's coming with bad intentions. We have to be a little bit more charitable in our understanding. And then we have to figure out, I just think the number one thing is this is one country. We're not acting like it. And we have some real threats on the horizon. The fiscal foundation that's weak is underneath everything. Absolutely. And there's some big threats that are coming at us. And if we don't unify and if we don't strengthen our fiscal position, 
position, I'm not sure we're going to win, and right. I'm I'm deeply concerned and worried we, about we that. Could be a third world country is what I'm afraid. Um, I wondered, um, and you kind of. I guess we kind of acquiesced. That's a big word. Whoa. It's a Harvard word. Sorry. I just say, I know I couldn't East spell Tennessee. it. Yeah, I can't spell it. No. I say, how about let's move in this direction? That's what we do, this direction in East Tennessee. Um, national debt. What's it going to do to our future generations? Yeah. So the reason to worry about the national debt. Um, there are multiple reasons. Again, the first one is the more debt you have when it's too high, it means that your standard of living, your wage growth, your jobs all are lower. Even today, our incomes are lower than they would be if we hadn't borrowed so much in the past decades. Right. So that's one. Number two, if you have too much debt when interest rates go up, which they are right now to fight right. inflation, your interest payments go up. Over the next decade, we will spend $10.5 trillion on interest payments. Can you imagine what we could do with that it's ten and a half trillion dollars? That's just like driving up Pennsylvania Avenue there, um, shoveling out of the back of a truck. It's just, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's, it's really, and we're just, we're borrowing it like it has no consequences. Well, it absolutely does. And so those interest payments mean whether you want to cut taxes or build some new program, you can't do it. Ten and a half trillion dollars, a chunk of it was going out of the country to other countries that lend us the money. The biggest lenders from other countries are Japan and China. China owns one trillion dollars or nine hundred billion dollars of our debt. We are vulnerable in terms of national security. We could lose our, our privilege of having being the nation's reserve currency because we're being so irresponsible. It means when there are new needs, needs whether it's a pandemic or changes in the workforce, changes about what we're going to do about AI. Our budget is so kind of busting at the seams, we don't have the space to contemplate these new needs because we're not very good at cutting spending that we don't need. Um, and it basically leaves us vulnerable to anything that comes along. If we have a national emergency, we may not be able to borrow. And that could really, really make things worse. We've been very lucky that we've been able to borrow in the past two recessions. Right. And it hasn't hurt us in the immediate moment. Well, we're pushing up against the limit of that. And when that happens, we will be in a downward spiral. Basically, you have to look at your fiscal security as your economic and national security. And we are just really risky because you can't see the problem until it hits you in the face, and then it's too late. And you know, my parents grew up in the, in the so-called Great Depression, but they'd tell you it wasn't all that great. <laughs> you know, and I, mean, I, and I'm, I'm, I, I think about overseas in Europe. I guess it was in, in <clears throat> pre World War II Germany, maybe even, and they were showing people with wheelbarrows with cash, you know, going to buy a loaf of bread. And I don't think people understand the inflation that we're seeing. Yes, and, and, the um, you know, in the last two years, was, uh, <clears throat> if you made $100,000 two years ago, you'd be it's the same as like making 85 today. So it, it just wow. 15 percent wow. uh, decrease in, in purchase power of your dollar to me is that is scary and uh, you know and I, it can get out of control. Oh, quick! Once you lose it, you can't. It's really hard to get it back. Yeah. So it's one of those things. That's why you don't. We shouldn't have overborrowed, which is what kicked off the inflation. Because once you get into it, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy, basically, and you can't stop it. And I like to pay down my debt. That's, yeah. my, that's been my concentration here for the last I wish we could do that as a country. Well, I, I really I, do. I, I day at, at, at the Birchett household, that's, that is you're, our goal. So anyway, at home. Well, we're at the end of end of the run here, Maya. And I, oh, this is the part this I, is so I, fun. Well, this is the part I dislike the most. That I, part I'm going to like the most. Well, you get to ask me a question, anything you want. Okay, well, I've come with a hard one because right. I am really trying to understand this. This AI thing is kind of blowing my mind. 
and I am pretty sure that our technologists are racing ahead and our lawmakers are still kind of trying to catch up. <coughs> yes, ma'am. And there are some real restraints that I think need to be put in place. Tell me about AI. What okay. should we do? There's an easy question uh, yeah, for Artificial you. intelligence. Well, actually, I am not here. This is just a computer-generated yeah, okay. model of me. But now there's actually, um, this weekend, there was um, some musicians who I, honestly, I wouldn't, probably wouldn't step out of the electric chair to go watch them. They're not my people, but I heard one of them say that they had they showed them doing something on a on a um, you know it was a download or something they put out on on the internet, and it wasn't them, and it was oh. artificial intelligence in them, and wow. there, there's all all different components of it. And I served on a committee. I'm not really on the subcommittee. I'm not really sure why they picked me, but I I, I made the statement. You know, here's Congress up here trying to. Um, to figure this thing out, and literally, you go back to people's offices, and I think they have eight-track tape players. Right. There. You know, but, this is but but you also have the ability to bring every expert in. Yep. So, like, let's get them in here and, and, and start talking and with that, them. And, and that <coughs> that's our big fear is that we um, we don't do that soon enough. And yeah. We've, of course, again, we've allowed China to get ahead of us, and um, and the destructive ability that they would have. Uh, because in the misinformation, the disinformation, um, which is where a lot of warfare is going in the future, and um, just the ability to, um, these computers can, they answer themselves, and apparently that's, that's the scary when they start figuring out um, things ahead of us. And um, they have certain- Start teaching themselves yes, things that we weren't teaching them, so you realize yes, we don't have control of the situation. We don't have control huh. of the situation. It's, um, uh, I guess it's more, um, as my dad would say, Buck Rogers, but you and I would probably say Arnold Schwarzenegger. Mm -hmm. he, he was in a movie where it, it was, that basically took over Skynet, I believe it was. I'm, I'm not quite worried about it like that, but I'm more worried about the, the Chinese ability to, um, to influence world events through false events. Deep fakes, yes, disinformation, yes, we start to False not flags. know what's true. What's it leads reality. us to fight even more than we're already seeing. Yes, ma'am. And yeah. we and you know, and we um, you're watching the news and you react, the economy reacts and you're That's not right. watching the news, you're watching a fake. You can put fake out broadcast. fake information yes, and it will have huge effects on our stock market. Yes, ma'am. All these things. And so um, the um, those I mean, components uh, scare me. Um, but but also um, you know, our national security along the lines of of just economic security, but otherwise, I mean, you know, if you, if we're, um, we think somebody's a nuclear threat, and and we think that they've launched missiles against us or something, and we have to oh, counter. Oh, that's a horrible scenario. Yes, ma'am. So it, it just there's a lot of things that really bother me about that, and we've got to get ahead of it. We, we unfortunately, we're going to have to invest more money, but I would suspect that we could. Um, uh, the Pentagon needs to be looking at this as, as warfare. Yeah, and national security. Well, and we need to get the technologists in here saying, instead of racing just on technology, we got to race on the defense against the bad technology, the bad application. Yes, because on the other hand, <coughs> it can do great things if it's used for the right way, I'm sure. Yes, but we need to make sure it's not just the profit move, motive, but instead of like, what's going to help all of us and protect us at the same time and get the technologists working on that too. And I feel like we could, uh, there's economic models and medical models, things like that, that we could, we could use it for that could help us in the yeah. future, but right now it, it, we're just playing catch up once again to to some of our enemies and our adversaries. So I hope that we um, 
get our head out of the sand and, and start moving in that direction because a lot of people in Congress don't understand it. And we need an AI boot camp up here. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> we do. Because uh, Nancy Mace chairs the committee, the yeah. subcommittee I'm on, and it was, and she said, uh, "This is the first." And what she did was she gave oh, her um, speech. Did. I saw it. She, she read her speech, you know, and basically she just gave this computer program a couple of words and it wrote her entire speech yeah. for her. And she I'm, read it and you didn't know, and then only at the end she said, this, every word of this was written by was artificial written. intelligence. Artificial, and it all made perfectly good sense to me. So, um, you know, which doesn't mean a whole lot, but. Which means hopefully our kids are home writing their own essays. Yes, I'm not convinced no. mine are. No, I, once, once my little daughter, she's, she, I always tell her, I say, Isabel, now, I said, you can fool dad on this stuff, but are, are you but really doing teacher. this? He goes, I'm doing it, dad. And I go, okay, Good. baby, I'm, I trust you, dad trusts you. But anyway, hey, thank you so much for coming what on What a today. pleasure. And maybe we can do this again. Um, and there's a lot more things. This budget issue is, is really a thorn in my side. I'm not. Yeah, I'm um, glad you care about it so much. We I, need people who are emphasizing how important it is because it's easy to sweep under the carpet. That's what people are doing. And it just leaves us with a bigger mountain of debt and it's harder to get out from. So thank you for caring well, about the issue. I, well, I appreciate you bringing some responsibility to the issue because it, we sure need it up here. Dad Gummit, we are in such. We're in such a mess. I, I get I get as mad at my side of the aisle as I do the other side of the aisle because I, I get it's just very frustrating to yeah. me. And yeah. it's you know it's a, and that's we get ourselves in so much trouble voting for things. Well, I need this for my district, so I'm going to vote for this horrible, horrible package. And then you know yeah oh that's right you bribe the votes I, I, so, yeah, yeah. I, oh yeah and you need that that ballpark uh, fenced in so we're gonna. Make but my, for this whole make my grandkids going debt, you know. I mean? And it really is. It really does come down to not just our grandkids, our kids. I mean, it really yes, it's going to hit soon, and so it really does come down to one of the things I think that should unite us is we all want to leave a country that's stronger <coughs> for our kids, and it has to be stronger fiscally. And so we got to try to do better I on agree. this. Well, thank, thank you. you. Thanks for having Thanks, me. And yeah. I'm Congressman Tim Birch, and thank y'all for watching another episode of Tennessee Talks. Thanks for listening to this episode of Tennessee Talks. Please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Keep up with Congressman Burchett by following Rep. Tim Burchett on Twitter and Instagram and Congressman Tim Burchett on Facebook and YouTube.